I need to, you know, read this book. And then this book didn't give me what I wanted. So instead, instead of feeling bad, I try something different and see if that works instead. Hey guys, it's me, Daniel with Socratic Hobbits. Uh, Kyle and I have a pretty good episode for you here. Top five for sure, I would say. And uh, we talk about iterating. What to do when you try to change something about yourself or try to change something and it doesn't work. Hope it's helpful. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Do you know what we're talking about? What do you think we're talking about, Kyle? I was thinking we're either going to talk about one of three things. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about how to journal, or you're going to teach me how to journal, (laughs) or we're going to talk about um, the best tips or habits that we've picked up from mentors or friends, Mm -hmm. which was a suggestion from an avid listener, Um, (laughs) or we're going to talk about something else. Uh, Was that third thing? just like literally anything else anything else no no no. we had to be focused now that's what the people have wanted that's what they decided uh we'll be focused on one of anything else's i thought that we had one other good thing that was oh it was iterate iterate um oh right yeah so you didn't you thought you thought it was passe i actually kind of like hurt is the wrong word i didn't like i didn't like that you said that it that was passe <laughs> uh that's okay well well i think it's, it's kind of, it depends on where you're at, where you're at in the curve, right? Uh-huh. Like if you're closer to the the leading edge, it's definitely been out of vogue for a few years, mm-hmm. but I think it's still pretty heavily in sort of the middle to late middle of kind of the internet um, consciousness. Sure. Well, I, you know, I'm not actually that interested in talking about things that are um, in vogue or not in vogue or whatever. I just like, I'm interested in talking about things that are helpful to me and to other people. Um, so, which is why I changed it from fail forward, which was a book written by John C. Maxwell in 2000 to, uh, iterate because that's really, really what that's getting kind of at is the idea that you would try something enough to know that it's either not working or that it is, and then discard the, um, the parts that aren't working and, and move forward with what is. One of the terms I've heard thrown around recently is mini experiments or micro experiments. Yeah. And that would be interesting to talk about, um, like even re- well related to many things that we talked about last episode is uh, just, you know, like talking through the scientific method and what it's good for and what it isn't. Right. Yeah. That was actually one of the things we had discussed discussing before that podcast, right? The scientific method? Yeah. And what it's useful for and what it is not useful for. Not necessarily what it's not useful for, but when to use it and when to be when to be more or less cautious about using it, I guess. Well, it seems like I at least have a little bit more energy around that right now, but I would be okay. more than happy to talk through journaling with you. Um, in fact, some people don't know this, but there's a, there's a blog site of Socratic Hobbits as well. And um, I've just published a few articles there and one that isn't yet published is is like how do you how do you start journaling what do you do so i i would i'd be more than happy to talk about that as well it's something i've um, thought a lot about and yeah can just kind of riff on uh-huh so either one of those man i'm excited about both what's more interesting to you, you- let's let's save let's save the journaling one because i feel like that's one that we can always come back to Ooh, yeah sure 
it's it's a nice one to have in the back pocket in case we can't come up with something else. Yeah. Uh, our our suggestion from one of our most contributing um, listeners. I think that's going to be really good. So uh, I'm actually I'm actually going to read it if that's okay. It takes me a minute to find, yeah. but for the listeners, it's uh, just as if just as if there was no time at all. Um, so the feedback we got was I would enjoy listening to a podcast episode where we talk about um, some of the things we've learned from mentors and friends, anything from life hacks and uh, habits to routines or spiritual lessons, um, best practices at work to fun facts. I don't know how many fun facts we have. Yeah. So just you and me both sharing and then um, which of these have been particularly important or memorable, et cetera. So um, yeah, I think, I think that'll probably be maybe next episode or I've got, um, I've got two guys who are willing to, to come on and, and would be both would be really fun to have. Cool. Um, so, uh, probably not in the same episode they would have, they'd be, they'd be, they're quite different. Um, that can be fun too. Yeah. Yeah, I can. Uh, it was actually for me, it was, it was pretty stressful having, having four people. Um, mostly because I, I don't know when it's just you, I can remind myself pretty easily to slow down because I talk fast when I'm excited or when I'm nervous. Uh huh. And um, I kind of felt a little bit like Holmes and with three Sherlock's uh, <laughs> uh, or two and a half. I think there was one Sherlock there and he has a PhD. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I wish, I wish Jonathan had been able to talk more because every time he did, it was, it, it was, uh, it was really good. So next yeah. time, Jonathan, you get get yourself some better Wi-Fi or go over to Isaac's house. Um, I don't know how far do they live close enough to do that. Um, Isaac lives about twenty minutes away from me. Oh, I don't know where Jonathan lives, so that that isn't helpful. Well, Jonathan currently resides in Vancouver, oh. not too far from you. Oh well, he just come over to my house then. Yep, we'll make that work. Um, guy, gosh, I didn't. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Uh, yeah. So let's save. We'll save we'll save journaling for later. The, the the one thing is is that um, the men's group that I've been a part of for a long time, mm-hmm. um, I think that's something that would be very useful for them to and uh, and the, the blog article as well, um, which I can post at any time. But um, there would be like that's useful no matter what like time of the year or like it doesn't it's it's very out of time. So it might be it might be good just to record that and have it, and then we can post it at any point. So, well, let's talk about okay. So we're going to answer a couple of questions, but they're all kind of closely related, right? So, what is the scientific method? Very briefly, and then what is it useful for? What isn't it useful for? And then what was the part B of that that was super related? That is like, well, then, then we can talk about the scientific. Oh, iterate. It should we, should we be care? When should we be careful about using it? Oh, sure. When, when should we be careful? And then how do you kind of apply that to personal habits and, um, and behavior change? Because I think that's where it's useful for me personally. Mm. Um, there's, there's, you know, scientific method for, for iterating. Yeah. For iterating, um, you know, having a hypothesis, testing it and go, going on and so forth. Um, so do you feel like you could talk through the, the scientific method in a minute or two or five minutes? Yeah, I mean, you just mentioned a couple of the key points there. You you come up with a hypothesis that you want to test. You you design your experiment in a way that focuses your your test on validating or invalidating that hypothesis, and then you run your experiment and assess the data and determine if if 
there's support for your hypothesis or if there's a lack of support for your hypothesis and then take note of any other findings that may be interesting for future experiments and proceed from there. Yeah. Um, there's a, a couple of key things like when you're, when you've got a hypothesis, it's really important that you check that like as you're experimenting that your experiment is really focused on your hypothesis because the things that you can't control right. um, or control for, you can't test. Yep. And so there's control variables and then just, is it just regular variables? <laughs> is there another name for that? There's control, then what are you testing for? But, you know, in the same way you wouldn't, uh, like, yeah, you just can't test for something that you're, that you haven't either controlled out or that you're specifically like, if you've got, um, an easy example for me is algebra, right? If you've got eight variables and that are all different letters and you're trying to solve for a specific one, you it becomes very difficult if you don't. Well, then maybe that doesn't work because... Well, it's impossible. Well, yeah, it's basically impossible. Um, but I mean, that's kind of the point, right? Is if you can't... Mm -hmm. If you can't... Uh, if you don't have an equation that can solve for... I mean, the taking the algebra example you need to have as many equations as you have unknowns. And if you have mm. more unknowns than you have equations, it's, it's not solvable. Um, and even if you do have getting into the design of experiments a little bit, even if you do have enough equations for your unknowns, typically in the real world, you're going to have uncertainty for each one of those equations. Mm. And that uncertainty compounds on top of the, itself, which is why statistical methods for looking at um, or understanding the statistical methods for looking at significance are, are, are important mm -hmm. for, for um, drawing any sort of useful conclusion out of your experiment. Yeah, which is uh, one thing that's uh, my wife has talked about how method of measuring significance that was normal or i even remember from when i was in college and high school that you no longer use because it's so easily hacked um by if you've got a large enough set of data you can essentially create significance by mixing and matching um which is why it's so important to have a um really specific hypothesis before you start that you're testing for and not coming up with it after the fact um because it just because that that uh, model um, can be manipulated doesn't mean it's not useful. It just means that it's been manipulated enough. I think your your wife's point has been manipulated enough that people no longer people on review boards um, no longer trust that method when they see it, mm -hmm. and that's why it's typically not used in scientific practice professionally. But for us as as amateurs, I, I believe it's the R squared that she was referring to. Uh, yeah, I think so. That's, that sounds right. I don't know, though. The, 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 the first linear regression, which is the first thing you're able to do if you put a bunch of data into Excel mm -hmm. um, and plot a line against it. But you can still use that, but that gets back to being really honest with yourself about what the variables are, what the uncertainty around those variables, mm -hmm. uh, or what the uncertainty around your equations that go into the solving for those variables are. And then... Um, if, if it looks, if, if the picture looks hazy as to whether you found a significant result, except the fact that it is hazy. Yeah. Well, and in, uh, 
in college, the experiments, at least the ones that I did, I, I graduated with an accounting degree, so not anything to do with science. Um, they were basically like the experiments were set up ahead of time. And so, um, and we just ended up doing them and then discussing them and talking about how we might, might, might've done them if we had, to, you know, it was, it was very like, um, for lack of canned. a better term, it was like, what's that? Canned. Canned. I was going to say like, it's roller coaster. Like yeah, there's like a little bit of rocking back and forth. There's a little bit of variance. Oh yeah. And then, but you're on a track. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was, that was kind of my experience. Um, and I think, I think part of why they don't use that anymore or at a professional level is because it was abused so much and, um, you, there's basically no money or like no grants for retesting hypothesis or hypotheses. But when people have tried to recreate certain experiments, it's like they don't get the, they don't get what the person who wrote the paper did. Um, right. And, you know, and, but the person that wrote that paper received a lot of money, a lot of grant money, and um, it's widely accepted as true, but nobody ever redid the experiment because there's not a lot of incentive to, which is one reason why capitalism isn't fantastic for science or scientific progress outside of certain realms. Or when you're when you don't know what that return might be, I would argue that any economic system, like I can't think of an economic system that would be ideal, um, ideal for science. Yeah, no, I don't think there is. Um, so maybe capitalism is no worse, no better. It's just, it just is. Because I mean, you had the same issue with the Soviet five-year plan, right? Where it was, you will get to this result at the end of five years. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't that doesn't incentivize. Um, honesty right for 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 them well and that kind of goes back to why a lot of the original scientists were essentially wealthy people who had time on their hands and a curious mind mm -hmm. yeah well they didn't have anything to prove because they had already um they'd already proved it or it was something that uh didn't concern like the money part of it wasn't something that concerned them right they were they were provided for they mm -hmm. didn't have to worry about about putting bread on the table or a roof over their heads. And so they could just explore creation. They could chase their joy. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, something else I learned about after editing podcasts for, uh, so this is episode 15 is that I fidget a lot, like a lot, a lot. There's one episode. I don't know if you, I, I was just doing it, which is why I'm mentioning it now. But okay. I, did I tell you that I opened and closed a knife? That was in my like a pocket knife. I was just kind of fidgeting with it. It was that time that we we went uh, we did a podcast and I was super tired. Okay. <laughs> I just and I tried to edit most of them out, but sometimes I was doing it while I was talking and it was like click 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 exactly exactly. Um, huh. Anyway, yeah. So and then even as I was talking about it, I was I was thinking about you can't see my hand, but um, okay. So so that's that's the scientific method. We've even kind of started to broach what it's what it's good for. It's good for um, when you know the variables, when you are in a more controlled environment. Um, and by controlled, you mean an environment where you can account for the variables with experiments, which essentially going back to the algebraic analogy, your experiments are your equations mm -hmm. and your variables are your what you're trying to learn about. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be, yeah. Or your unknowns. Mm -hmm. Well, but even when you're doing experiments, so we're gonna we're gonna shift into talking about doing experiments with ourselves, mm -hmm. more in behavioral than 
uh, I've never done any biomedical experiments on myself. I definitely have heard about people doing that. And um, Tim Ferriss style. Tim Ferriss style, yeah. But I am, I'm not in that spot. I don't know that I ever will be. Uh, well, wait, wait a minute. You've done intermittent fasting. Yes, I have done intermittent fasting. Uh, and evaluated how that impacted different health markers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I did do that. I guess I don't. Why wouldn't you count that? I guess I think of when I'm thinking about. Um, you have to draw blood. Yeah, there's got to be some blood. Um, <laughs> why do you always laugh quietly? You have to laugh into the mic, Kyle. You have to let the people know that you're laughing. Um, oh, well. Next time. Just laugh loud for both of us. No, <laughs> I guess the reason I wouldn't consider that biomedical is because I'm not doing anything to myself. I'm, I guess I'm, I'm abstaining from a behavior or I'm. Um, That's interesting that you frame it as a behavior instead of framing it as like food content or nu- nutritional content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And timing. Hmm. Cause that's how I think of it is yeah. how am I changing up nutritional content and nu- nutrient timing, mm-hmm. not a behavior as much, but it can be both. Sure. So it could be a psychological experiment or a more physiological experiment. Yeah. So would you consider working out a specific amount, not behavior, or you, you would think of it primarily as not a behavior instead you would think of it as a, like a biomedical. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, in, in any case, in either of those situations, you can control quite a bit of the kind of, you can control the inputs and then see what the outputs are. And so that's a good place mm-hmm. for, for those kind of self-experiments. And so that's, that would be, because you can control, um, I, I guess actually one thing about both of those situations is that it's, they're very repeatable. You, so doing an experiment to test stage fright related to your high school graduation would be terrible because you only get one, like you don't actually you only get one data point. Yeah. You only get one data point. Exactly. So it, what's more helpful is, you know, bedtime routines, morning routines, mm-hmm. what you do on your lunch break or lack of lunch break. Is it, is it better for you to get off half an hour early if your work allows that? Um, you could play around with those things or, you know, normally everyone at your work takes a half hour lunch, but you know, I did this, um, where I got off half an hour later than everybody and took an hour lunch and like worked out as opposed to went into the break room, ate my lunch and sat around for 10 minutes. That was what everybody else did. Mm -hmm. Um, that was, that was a couple of years ago. Um, I tried, I tried that out. So that was, that was another situation where experimenting might, might work out. And again, I guess I think of I think of all of those things. If we can, if we can step back just a second there, when you were, because I think this will be helpful to the audience just as they think through what experiments they'd be doing and and how to know when to, when you're done with the experiment. So, so what led to you stopping the workout routine um, during lunchtime? Was it you achieved a certain goal or you weren't seeing more progress or how are you measuring that? Or was it just sort of a lifestyle life change? Yeah. So that was a specific job. And that was um, four jobs ago. It was my first job out of high school, five jobs then. Um, And it worked in that, you know, there was a place to run that was close Um, there. And so I did that until I stopped working there. What 
uh, I now do is I, I walk for 20 minutes on my, my lunch break and I do that every day, rain or shine. Um, with, uh, no, no, even when I'm home now, um, I work from home one day a week. Um, and I've been doing that as well. I think I'm, I'm a little bit of an odd duck at my work. Um, I'm the only person and I, I heard our, <laughs> I heard our, uh, we had a bid yesterday and at least I thought I heard my, the, uh, the president of our company ask where I was and then answer his own question is like, he's probably out on a walk or something. And I thought that was kind of funny because I wasn't, I was obviously I heard it. Um, uh, and then my, my direct boss gives me a hard time. Cause I, I bring a, I bring an umbrella with me if it's pouring rain. And like, I started to make a point of um, like waving to him as I'm leaving with the umbrella. Cause he said, I, I look like uh, a pansy basically. So Mary Poppins. Yeah. Mary Poppins. There you go. Uh, it's pretty, is that what he said? No, that is not what he said. Oh. Um, Can you share on the show what what he said? Uh, yeah, what he said was it looked like I wasn't originally from the, the Northwest. Um, and he might have insinuated I was like a girl. So that is why I wasn't saying that. Because Construction guys. Yeah, construction. Mainly. If you're going to have to be outside, then you got to get wet. Like, Yeah, but I sit in an office. So, you know, there's no reason for me to be soaked if I don't need it. Um, if I was out on the job site, I wouldn't have an umbrella with me. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, they're there. So why not? Um, yeah. So that's actually something that I've taken from kind of from job to job. There's only when I worked for one company, it was the only company that I haven't worked out on my lunch break or done something that's like active. Um, uh, th- yeah, that wasn't active on, on my lunch break as a, as a break in the middle of the day. And I've just found that really helpful. It helps me get through, it makes the afternoon feel like it's, um, a little bit shorter and um, just gets the blood moving. And, you know, when you're, when you sit for eight hours a day for work, it's good to do that. So yeah. Do you, do you do anything on your lunch break other than eat? Do you take a lunch break? I generally just eat while doing work Yeah, and then shorten the day. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of people who, I mean, pretty much everybody else in my office does that, but 20 minutes really isn't that long. And I feel, I feel good. You might try it. See if it makes you feel how it makes you feel. Well, for me, I walk 20 minutes to work in the morning and then walk 20 minutes home in the evening. I'm not saying you have to, Kyle. I'm just saying you might try it. I, I'm just saying I, I already get 40 minutes of walking in a day. Okay. I'm not too keen to get more walking in. All right. Well, so that's things that, that, that work well. And one thing that experiments don't work well on. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add to that? Or I think the thing that's, and we've kind of already talked about this, but the thing that's really crucial is designing the experiment in a way that you're testing what you actually want to be testing, um, which then taking a step back requires having an intuition of, of what you actually want to study. And yeah, I was listening to a kind of a, wasn't really a, I guess it was kind of a podcast, but it was, it was sort of a podcast history lesson on, on um, scientific inquiry. And it, it focused on, um, a particular scientist who then moved into philosophy and he wrote a book called the study of man, but his name, Oh, Michael Pugliani. Hmm. Is that, is that Italian? No, Polish, I think Eastern European and yeah, Pugliani. And, and he, so he was a scientist pre world war two and then ended up coming to the States around the time of world war two. And or UK first, and then made his way to the states. Um, okay. And he had 
had a very interesting take on science where he viewed scientific inquiry broadly speaking as, uh, or at least the, the best science, he viewed the um, optimal situation for science is when you simply have um, studied or worked in the field long enough that mm-hmm. you have an intuitive sense for what is right or what is a right understanding of things and what is a wrong understanding of things. And then your experiments sort of flow out of that intuitive sense that just comes from, I mean, Malcolm Gladwell talked about the 10,000 hours, but it it comes out Mm -hmm. of a similar um, vein of understanding. Well, the 10,000 hours didn't come from Malcolm Gladwell. He just, right? No, it was a a study that he popularized. Oh, I see. Violinists, I think. It seems like if you, I mean, I guess you do have to be an expert in something in order to kind of push the boundaries. But and that's what he was talking about is finding new things, finding novel things. It seems like you would have to kind of going back to something we had said a little while back um, is you'd have to in order to find new things, you'd really have to look for kind of the confluence of more than one discipline. Otherwise, um, I don't know, it just seems like you're going to come up with the same things that people have come up with previously, but maybe not, Uh, which is why I've heard at least that. Almost all the Nobel Prizes today are given to not individuals, but teams or things that couldn't have been accomplished without a team. Um, but there's still one or two front runners because as people, we like to celebrate other people and not teams of people as much. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense or track with what you're saying? Or does that feel like that's off a, a different kind of path? Or No, I think, I think a team kind of accelerates that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you can you can amass more knowledge and intuition faster with a team. Yeah, and someone might say the sum of its parts is greater than, or the sum of its. Yeah, I'm getting mixed up there. Sum of its parts is greater than the no, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. There we go. I got it eventually. Yeah. Um, you could have one person working with somebody who has, and both had spent ten thousand hours doing something, and then when you work, when you have them together they can come up with something new, but instead of two people, it's 20. Is that, is that kind of the idea that you're getting at? Like how it accelerates, how a team accelerates the. Yeah. And, and it's, it's not just the, um, the fact that you have two horses running in sync instead of one or 50 Mm. horses running in sync instead of one. It's, it's also the diversity of skill sets where you have people with who can cover for each other so that, Others can focus on what they're really supremely talented at. Um, so you don't have to have one person kind of doing a little bit of everything. Mm. You have... Instead of having generalists, you've got specialists. Exactly. And then you have those specialists interacting and they get to see the ideas from the other specialists, mm-hmm. which then um, kind of riffing off a point that you made earlier about um, a diversity of ideas and um, bringing different ideas together in an interdisciplinary way to find uh, something novel um, that can happen faster when you have really intelligent people all in a group who are specialized in particular areas, but then can see the intersections and overlaps between those areas and apply it to their own practice. Doesn't this kind of directly contradict being a specialist in three different things in order to increase your value? Or are we talking specifically about science here? And I'm calling back to that 75% episode we did. No, I, I don't think that 
contradicts that mm-hmm. um, necessarily. I, th- I think you can have both ideas be true that you can make yourself more valuable by creating a new super skill out of being pretty good at three different areas. Mm-hmm. And so you are a specialist in that super skill. Oh, and then you've got these super skills that all kind of commingle. And then yeah. you and I have some of the same, let's say, supporting skills, but uh-huh. a different, but not all the same. And so where they overlap, you and I can push forward further, push forward further. And then also bring in. So it's like, it's almost like if you've got, you know, five people and you've got five shared skills and then two other I don't know. It's like you've got, instead of having one person with three, you've got five people with 15 all working towards the same thing. Yeah. I can see how yeah. that would be really valuable. Um, but they got to speak the same language. Yep. Like, and not, not, I don't mean like verbally the same, like English. Uh, well, actually verbally the same language. Yeah. Or it's going to take a lot longer to get it. Yeah. But I meant um, even within English. Uh, you, you need a common terminology. Yeah. You need common terminology. Um, I know I spend a lot of time looking up uh, acronyms because I work in the construction industry and um, every municipality has their own um, jargon and each division within construction has their own. And sometimes they use the same letters because there's only 26. And then even within whatever it's anyway. Yeah. So if they're they're, they've got to share a lot of context in order to be able to speak or in order to communicate well they have to that has to i guess that has to be probably a base skill that has to be a base skill for a lot of different things is communication mm-hmm. yeah as far as um experiments though or as far as so to, to sum up where we're at right so you've got to be able to control some variables know what your hypothesis you know or actually rather step one know what you're testing for and be able to design an experiment around those things and you know, in order to actually test your hypothesis. So that's like step number one. Step number two is control the variables and be able to repeat the experiment in order to, you know, be sure that you actually are finding your results. It's not just one and done, right? And I think that, that the- Am I simplifying things too much? No, I was actually going to say the repetition can be useful if you aren't sure about the result, but I don't think it's necessary to repeat the experiment, or at least not repeat the exact same experiment. I think when it comes to um, personal personal disciplines or or behaviors or activities, um, running running experiments that kind of build on each other Mm -hmm. um, can can sort of serve that purpose of repetition without being boring. Sure. One of the things, one of the examples I've heard of is like before you juggle with with chainsaws juggle with just tennis balls. Mm-hmm. Um, don't go straight to the chainsaw juggling. Um, yeah. But it, once you get the tennis ball juggling down, then maybe you can go to knives, hammers or, or, or yeah. Hammers, maybe hammers would yeah. be better than knives. Yeah. <laughs> Something that doesn't cut you, but it's still a little bit more dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're, you're repeating the experiment about your skill at juggling, but you're doing it in a way that challenges you a little bit more. Mm, and ooh, I like that develops develops that skill and and develops your understanding of um, maybe this is a little bit trite but with with the juggling example maybe a better example is something I heard someone um, in a different podcast talking about where they were 
talking to someone who wanted to start a restaurant and we're talking about how hard it was to um, come up with the funding so they could find and find the right, right venue, the right space and uh, get a chef and all, all these other things. And they're saying, do you even like serving people food? Like just, just hope, just go to your friends, have them pay you to, to buy food and then put on a dinner for your friends. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the night, you'll know, do I like the process of preparing food? Do I like the process of serving food? Do I like the process of procuring all that food? And do I like the process of hosting? And do I like these people? <laughs> and do I like these people? I mean, hopefully there, there are already people you like and they'll like you, even if the food's burn or whatever, <laughs> don't be too bent out of shape about having given forked over 20 bucks or whatever for, for the night. For all the food for, yeah. When, and you actually would know if you were good at those things as well, because I don't, you know, I don't think somebody could, um, if they weren't good at it, I feel, at least I hope those friends would say, you're like, this was fun, but um, you'd actually didn't cook my steak at all. Like it was yeah. just seared and uh, that's not how I like my steak. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, yeah, you're going to get feedback, but all you're going to be out is an evening and maybe some slightly rankled friends. Yeah. Well, and that was kind of fun. Like that's part of why we're doing the podcast. Right. We were not out very much money. Um, though I like constantly push for us to be out more money. <laughs> um, much to much to our wives sugar. And I think, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah. So, and then, and actually that makes me think of another thing that, um, yeah. have you seen, have you seen any of the knives that Tyler's made? Yeah. He showed it to us on the growth group. Oh, that's right. That's right. So him and I have talked about um, starting an online store and uh, calling it blocks and blades and so uh-huh. where he makes um so basically i'm providing not I'm, I'm providing scales to him um and then getting a little bit of money if he if he sells them um cool but it's like uh we can start pretty quickly because it just doesn't cost very much to start up a store and if it fails like oh well like it's fun. Yeah. It, it's like fun to talk shop with him and to work on something together and right um, and he's my brother-in-law and so it's like so there's extra time there and um yeah it's just like you know it's kind of like and your sister doesn't mind if he spends a lot of time on it no no she doesn't um and like i'm really enjoying woodworking and it it just works out really well and i'd really like to make some furniture um but i yeah and i have i have like an okay setup for it now um it's Uh not completely hand tools but it's like if i could sell that that that'd be cool that would be really cool i don't know that's it's all down the road. Like I've got to try you to, have serve. to start somewhere. I, yeah. But like, even before I get to that point, I have to like, I have to do some baby steps um, and cut, you know, do, do the, the friend serving thing first. Yeah. I will say though, that the, like having held and he, um, he gave me one of the knives and it's very high quality. Like I'm very impressed. It was like knife number four for him. And it's, uh-huh. it's pretty amazing. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for, you know, I'm excited for him. I'm excited for my sister. And, and hopefully that takes up some of the slack when there's um, different, uh, when you have a slow season for photography or whatever. Right. No. Oops. Um, anyway. Yeah. So I, I like that. I like the iterating and especially building on previous. Uh, it's kind of where I wanted to get to next was um, when you experiment, especially in yourself, like you're trying to, let's say you're, you're trying to um, work on 
See, I, I always go back to fitness because it's an easy thing to talk about that a lot of people can um, relate to, but I'm going to try to push for something else. Uh, you got any ideas other than like physical, other than physical health? Investing. Okay. Yeah. We can talk about investing. That's for business development. Or yeah, pick one. Either of those would be fine. Which is more fun for you? Or reading books. I don't need more options, Kyle. Okay. Well, I'm just going to go with reading books because the, the steps there are like... Or cooking. Oh, you're the worst. <laughs> you got one more? You said you're having trouble coming up with ideas. I know, but now I, you know, one more. One more? Yeah, come up with one more, Kyle. You've come up with... Raising animals. Okay. All right. So let's say that you want to um, read books. Uh, that's the one I'm picking, I guess. And you How to are... breed dog. <laughs> Uh, did you have coffee today? You seem no more. Yeah, but it was many, many hours ago. Yeah. Okay. Still, I mean, you're still on the tail end. You're, you're like a little. I'm still. I think I'm little... still a little loopy from this weekend because we were. Yeah. What were you doing? We were flying with three kids. Oh, and where did you go? San Diego. I don't even know that we even started this off with. How are you doing? Hey, Kyle. How's it going? A little tired. Well, we don't have to go much longer. If you don't want, um, but with, so let's say, you know, you're going to, you've always wanted to read, uh, consistently, um, because you recognize that it's valuable for whatever reason. Um, and, uh, so you, you start off and you're like, all right, I'm going to read uh, a book a week, which is, you know, depending on the book might not be that difficult if it's, uh, you know, Dr. Seuss, or, uh, it might be more difficult if it's, um, uh, I was thinking of. I'm trying to think of some old book. Old book that's that's long. Would you would you start there, Daniel, or or would kind of taking a page out of Atomic Habits? Would you say just have a book that you grab off the shelf and go sit down in a chair and then set the book to the side and then go do something else? Just like get in the habit of sitting down with a book. Like literally, you're just sitting down with a book. Yeah, yeah. You could start there. Um. So where I was where I was going to try to. Uh, basically is a mindset thing, right? So let's say you sit down and you've got war and peace with you. Uh -huh. There we go. One that came to me that was, that was big and old. Um, and you're like, all right, I'm going to read a chapter. I'm going to read a chapter a day or something. And then, you know, day one, good to go. Cause your motivation is super high. Cause you've decided that I want to read high literature and, um, or good literature. And like, so chapter a day, and you maybe do that for a week. And then you realize you need to be high to read good literature. And then you realize you need to be high. Wait, no, 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 no. But you, do you want to pick a different book, Kyle? You're super snarky. It's fun. Whatever, whatever you did, you should do again for next time. <laughs> so you sit down with War and Peace. Uh, and then after a week, you're like, motivation goes down. You realize like uh, you haven't been. Um, book is really sad. I haven't read it, so I don't know. We can talk about uh, Lehman's Rob. I've read that one. That was a long time ago. Which translation? I was an English one. I don't know. It was free on Kindle. It was fantastic. I wept. This is one of the only books I've wept at. Then um, Where the Red Fern Grows. I was going to ask if it was that one. <laughs> that book's so sad. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Yeah, it was. It was very sad. Uh, one of the saddest books I've ever read. And actually, I was in seventh grade when I read it. And we were in a class that was basically quiet time for the teachers. And so we were all just it was like, I was a seventh grade boy. My voice hasn't, hadn't changed yet. I was, new to, I was new to school and I was like a fat redhead chubby kid and no friend, not no friends, very few friends. And as like a seventh grade boy, 
I like, it was so hard not to just like let it out. It was so sad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so, you you know, you get to, you know, day 10 and you haven't read War and Peace for um, three days. And you're like, well, I'm a failure. Like that could be one thought that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, A more reasonable thought is, you know, is the mindset of I put these inputs in and I thought I was getting what I wanted but that was only during specific circumstances. I want this to be a habit that's all the time, not just some of the time. So maybe I need to start smaller. And maybe it's, maybe it is just sitting in a book uh, or sitting, maybe it is just sitting with a book in a chair, you've got the lamp on and, you know, you've completed the task if you, if you pick the book up Um, and then, and then put it back down and go do the other things that you feel like you would rather do in that moment. But you've, you've still, you've still done the habit for the day. And then the thing that's difficult is I think the most, the thing that's most difficult about that is because you can always, like, if you, if you design the behavior correctly and the prompts, because if you don't have the prompts, you're not going to remember. I don't think any amount of alarms on your phone, um, paying someone to nag you, or like any of those, th- I don't think any amount of those works long term. Right. There's a specific kind of, and those are all called kind of context um, reminders. And then there's there's the other one, which is you don't really have to remind you if you're if you're used to eating ice cream every day when you get home, you don't really have to remind you. You're never going to have to remind yourself to do that because you just want to do that because it's you know it's its own reward, right? And, um, and I think we've talked about this before, but you're talking about reward prompts versus punishment prompts and the punishment prompts work short-term, whereas it sounds like the mm-hmm. reward prompts work longer. term. Well, there's a third kind. So, so there's okay. one where it's like the person itself, the person themselves just wants to do the thing. And so they don't really need a reminder. They're actually like looking to do the thing. We were talking about Tyler a minute ago with uh, knife making. He's super enjoying that. There's, right. there's no part, like he looks for time to do that. Um, there's no, he doesn't, it's a, it's a habit because of that right now. Right. Um, when that changes, which it will at some point, um, it will lose some of its luster. Um, he'll have to do other things in order to make that a long-term habit. Um, which I think he will, Mm -hmm. but, uh, then there's the like context clues, which are context reminders, which would be like, um, reminders on your phone or sticky notes on your computer or on your phone or um, uh, your spouse calling, like when they talk to you, you've asked them to, to remind you about something at a certain point. Like if you just get enough of those, each one is less meaningful. You develop a callus to it. Exactly. Exactly. So the third type is an action prompt. Okay. And that's where you are. It's, 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 it's habit stacking from atomic habits, mm-hmm. right? So when I get home and I put my backpack down, then I will, and that, that there's that key phrase, when this happens, then I will X. So sit down with a book in this chair that's comfortable. Um, and, and that's the whole thing. And then at a certain point, you're going to open up the book and maybe you realize that, you know, your motivation for doing that. And sometimes you're going to like, you're just going to open the book up and no other things are going to kind of call for your attention and you'll just sit and read. And then some days you'll just open the book up or sit down with the book and, and that's it. But you're, you're building the, you're habituating yourself to that, that same action sequence. And so then you don't have to, 
remind yourself because the prompt is the, in this case, the backpack. And you're always going to do that. And by prompting yourself that way, you can um, essentially cement it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then um, to take this a step further, Josh Waitzkin and The Art of Learning talks about priming where he walks you through the process of developing that whole sequence to get to the behavior pattern that you want. And then if you've chosen something really meaningful that cues that whole sequence, you can actually boil that whole sequence and, and condense it down to just the first part of that one cue to get to that final behavior pattern. Can you give me an example or explain, like, what do you mean when you say boiled it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the example he gave was there was this, this, this client he was coaching who was a salesman and he's really stressed out, having, having trouble getting deals and talking to clients on the phone. And so Josh sat down with him and said, Hey, um, what's, what's one activity that you really enjoy doing? And the guy thought for a moment, he said, well, I, I love it when I'm able to come home and just throw the baseball around with my 10 year old son. And Josh said, great. Um, that's, that's a good place to start. Now, now tell me what, what kind of music do you like to listen to? And the guy thought for a little bit longer. And he said, I, I really like Bob Dylan and, um, song of his that means most to me is is blown in the wind and so um josh again said that's 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 even better um what i want you to do is when you get a few minutes from home put put blown in the wind on and then when you pull in the driveway call to your son get out your baseball gloves play catch for a bit and then once you've done that you will have relaxed a bit you'll be feeling good then go work on that business that, that you need to, um, that get to, that's, that's your most important task for the day. And he did this for a few, for a few months. And, and then, and then Josh started like having him dial it back. So you were throwing the ball with your son for 10 minutes, just, just talk, toss for a few minutes, toss for a couple minutes. And then he got all the way back so that the guy could just listen to the first couple lines of, blown in the wind as he left the car to, to walk up the steps for a business meeting. And he was primed to bring his A game. Because he had essentially taught his brain with this input. It's almost like a Pavlov's dog deal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a really fancy, elaborate Pavlov's dog. Because <laughs> we're, we're smarter than dogs. And so we, we can't just have a bell ringing. We got to have Bob Dylan blown in the wind. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so um, that seems adjacent a little bit to what I was yeah, talking, yeah. but but very like in the same vein. Because um, that's more about peak performance. Mm-hmm. I realized as I was describing it, more about peak performance than it is about um, behavior modification. Yeah, but it's also it's helpful, and I don't know that I would have. I mean, you are modifying your behavior because I know when I was doing uh, back in the day, uh, if you if you didn't pull in. I don't remember the numbers. So I'm just going to make something up. If you didn't pull in five leads in a week, you basically had to get one solid lead a day. Um, and you did that for too long, they'd can you, right? When uh-huh. I was doing door to door sales. And so if you were on Friday and you hadn't gotten five last week and you were only at two for this week um, and you were stressed about getting the leads, right. you really tried to turn it on, people fled 
ran away. <laughs> <laughs> they ran away. Nobody would talk to you. And so you had to like, you had to get into this weird, this, this headspace of like, it, it's essentially calm confidence. Uh-huh. Um, we wouldn't have been able to articulate it that way because we were all, you know, 18, 19, um, right. some, some younger, uh, but you know, then you would, yeah, like eight, you know, if you didn't have the calm confidence, then you would, you know, Friday afternoon was garbage for you and you already kind of knew it. Um, and then you'd have, you know, there was two, there was a guy and a gal in particular where they would have 10 for the week. Right. And then Friday mm-hmm. afternoon and they get five more and you're like, <laughs> cause because they don't care that they yeah. like they don't have to and um it was always that happened to me a few times and they had those times too like nobody's nobody's always on fire but it was like it just seemed to happen that way because if if you were good then friday afternoon was real good and right. if you were if you were bad off that week then friday afternoon was like going fishing all day and catching yeah. nothing um so yeah no that's a that's a helpful way to it's just another application of the same kind of principle um, of that, you know, that sequence in our minds is something that you can, um, it's something that you can kind of trick it. Well, bringing it back to what we were talking about originally, it's something that we can experiment with. We can see what triggers, what cues are most meaningful to us that Mm -hmm. will have the biggest impact. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or have no impact because that's that can be helpful too. If if we realize mm-hmm. that at, at a certain stage in our life, that you know this thing that maybe it worked for me at one time, maybe it will work in the future, but it really doesn't get me going right now. I should just drop it. Yeah. Well, and another thing um, is that so let's say let's say that you're trying to be more understanding of people, mm-hmm. and you try a behavior. Uh, let's say um, you've heard a lot of good things about emotional emotional quotient. I think it's a book EQ, EQ or EQ squared or something like that. And um, so you, you decide that you're going to read that and start to apply some of the things and you find that um, it doesn't work for you at all. It's really unhelpful. Like, in fact, it seems like all the relationships in your life are going much worse than they were. Well, maybe you find that, you know, maybe you decide instead of saying I'm a moron, which is, and, and I, I think I've said, I've geared the like response to a failed experiment twice that way in in our conversation that I'm bad is essentially can be a response that people have when something that they're doing doesn't work. Instead of, instead of focusing on the person, focus on the, on your, instead of focusing on you, focus on your behavior. I was trying this recipe and it did not work. So instead of feeling sad that um, I'm a bad cook. I'm instead going to change the recipe and continue to experiment. So, okay, doing that didn't work. Well, there's this, um, these YouTube guy, or the, yeah, these two YouTube guys that I've watched that are, they essentially pick apart celebrities, uh, conversations on talk shows and many different things. Um, and I find their insights really helpful and I have used some of those. And so, like oh like they they look at the positive things that people who are in the public eye do mm -hmm. yeah so they'll um like why is chris hemsworth so charming was you know it's like one of the one of they've done like how to be their top ones yeah maybe it was one of the first ones that i watched and it wasn't titled that it was like how to be charming in five steps or something like that or how to um 
like good one copywriting. of the, <laughs> what's that? Good copywriting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the other ones that I, I watched was like how to joke well with others, because I know that I am sarcastic, right? Um, how can I do that in a loving way? And they, they talked about four things that you should do and two that you shouldn't, right? If you're going to tease, like specifically, they talked about teasing and the two things that you don't tease people on is things that they can't change about themselves or things that are core to their identity. And when you compliment someone, even in a joking way, compliment on them on accomplishments. Those are the three things that stuck out to me, like accomplishments that they care about. So an example of that is, I think probably one of the most meaningful things I've said to my, or meaningful compliments that I've given my wife recently is that uh, her office is starting to look amazing. She's finally like doing, like it's, it's, you know, she's been working on it for a while. And uh, when I gave her an honest compliment on that, it was striking mm-hmm. how, how much that meant to her. Right. And um, as opposed to, telling her that she's beautiful, which is true. And I do tell her that, but it was much more meaningful to her. I think at least in that moment, like this, this compliment that was based instead on, on her accomplishments, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the whole reason that we were talking about that anyway, was because like, okay, I found something that didn't work in order to, you know, if I'm trying to you know, have better relationships or better understanding with people or have empathy or something like that. I need to, you know, read this book. And then this book didn't give me what I wanted. So instead, instead of feeling bad, I try something different and see if that works instead. And having that mindset that like that essentially a growth mindset of instead of thinking of feeling bad about things that don't work, I found, I found something that didn't work, which means I can, I can just put that to bed and 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 move my energies and efforts in a different direction. Right. So, I, and that's kind of what we started with, with this question was, you know, there's the experiment part and that the iteration is, is going to be the way that you find the things that work best. Because if you don't try new things, if you just keep trying to make the same things work that aren't working, which I think we're tempted to do because we, because we think we should, because we, we have things that we feel like we ought to do. Um, or we fear change. Or we fear change, or yeah, or any number of uh, number of other reasons. We instead of taking some time to design our um, environments, we just let them shape us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <sighs> that's kind of that's kind of what I was thinking. That was where I wanted to get to. And that's where journaling comes in. And that is where journaling comes in, which is a fantastic segue for next time. I actually did start. Well, I started. I I wrote things down on something I was thinking about. Mm. You care to share or no private? Oh, it's not. It's not private. Um, I was basically it, thinking about what what makes for what are laws that should be made versus what are laws that should not be made. Mm. And I was thinking through the, the the elements or aspects of a of a law that should be made. And a lot of this was informed by a book I've been reading called Politics After Christendom mm. by uh, David Van Drunen, who's a professor of um, down at uh, I don't, I don't remember what exactly he's a professor of, but he's a professor down at um, Westminster Seminary in California. Is he Polish as well? No, he, Van, definitely Dutch. Okay, fine. Um, you'll have to send me that, guys. It, it was politics after Christendom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I find that with journaling, you can do a better job of evaluating um, your kind of thought patterns, and um, I had 
recently I had three very difficult conversations and, um, and the relationships themselves are pretty difficult in general and being able to untangle those. I had tried to talk to a few people about them because that's another way that you can kind of process. Yeah. And that's how I typically process things. Yeah. And the, but it's not as effective, I think. Yeah. And the reason that it's not as effective is because um, it's basically rude to use someone else <laughs> as a, as a way to process. What if you tell them that's what you're doing? It can work. Um, it's not like, and I'm thinking of the time when I like asked you to help me process through kind of career decisions. Yeah. And so once you had my assent, when, once you had my agreement, um, yeah, absolutely. It's, and it's, and it can be really helpful because I can ask you questions that you wouldn't have thought of right? or essentially force you to work through those questions, not, or not force, but when you're asked a question, when you ask yourself a question, it's very easy to let yourself go because right. you don't have you any skirt around it. You, yeah. Um, but if I ask you a question, then you can, it, it's just more difficult for you to do that. Or it's like, it's, yeah, it just doesn't work as well. Um, but yeah. And so that, so that can work. Um, for me, I didn't have anybody who had the time when I needed it in uh-huh. order to talk through some of those things. Um, and so I felt like I was kind of finally able to not be wound up over them by spending wasn't even really that long. It was probably only an hour of journaling all said and done. And that was over three days. Um, and I'm a lot more calm about those things. And um, yeah, we can talk more about that later and what that looks like. Yeah. And- yeah, I think actually this pod, one of the things I like about the podcast that is similar to what I was noticing when I was writing stuff down is when I'm writing stuff down, I'm able to kind of go back and see what I said before or wrote before. And that helps inform what I write next. And so the same thing with recording the podcast is as I listen to these episodes over again, um, I'm able to kind of rehash some of those thoughts and build on them in a way that it wasn't the first time I really went through them. I really appreciate talking with you, making the time. This is good. Yeah. So I'm going to stop recording. We're done. Yeah. Uh, Hey guys, it's uh, me, Daniel, again, just wanted to say thanks for listening to the episode. We hope, uh, again, that it was helpful and that uh, it was enjoyable. Uh, If you did enjoy it, uh, go ahead and tell someone who you think would find it helpful for them, and we would really appreciate that. And if you have any feedback, you can email us at socratichobbits at gmail.com. Thanks again.